reminding us, God, that our purpose on this earth is to worship you. That we were created and made by your hands. That when you breathe life into us, that our purpose became worshiping you, God. But you didn't stop there just as a fickle God needing worship and praise from humanity, God. You says that I charge you to have dominion over the earth and all the things in the earth, God. And then you told us, God, that, that our purpose became reconciling the world unto you, God. So that every human being may have access to you, God. That that is our true reward, Lord. That heaven is our goal, but our reward is you, God. So continue to remind us individually as well as collectively our purpose. Yes, God, we strive to build buildings in your name. And we strive to produce people productive people in your name, God, but most of all, we want to worship you, God, because we believe by worshiping you, God, we believe the word that says, that when you are lifted up, that all men are drawn unto you. So we lift you up, God, in the way that you desire to be lifted up, God, so that no man will think that they're left behind and that all men, women, and children will realize that you're a God of all people, God. We thank you for reminding us of that today, God. So as we come before you, your people, God, this morning, God, and receive the word that you have prepared for us, God, let us not forget our purpose, God, that we were designed and created to worship you. It's in Jesus' name. the Lamb of God, that we pray these things, we kind of count it done by saying amen, amen, and amen, amen, isn't that beautiful, that we were designed to worship him, that we were created by him. I'm so glad I know that y'all used to me singing, amen, and me screaming at you and walking around, but I, I appreciate this opportunity to, to share with you the word of God this morning, amen. To my one church family, first of all, thank you for this opportunity. I love y'all to death, amen. I brag on y'all all the time, amen, all the time. And to Jamel and my pastor Jamel and Matt, thank you for the encouragement. You know, as I always get before the people of God, I get kind of nervous, amen. But I thank them for their encouragement. And, and, and two of my, my biggest fans, amen. 
to the one I truly love, the woman in my life. My mama, Myra Howard, amen. Thank you so much for being here, amen. And just to let you know, my daddy would be here. I'm, I'm praying to God that he does not come. Just simply because he's driving the church van, amen, and I'm so afraid that I'll see the church van out in Uofail, that he'll drop the people off and try to make it back in time, amen, but thank so glad and I'm so blessed to have loving parents, amen, that stood behind me in my right and my wrong, amen. Uh, one church don't know, but I, I, uh, may, I told soul Center before, amen, I ain't always been saved, amen. I've always been in church, but the church ain't always been in me, amen. So I've been locked, amen, I've been locked, mm. let me get this, let me get this, get this straight, amen, so you can hear this part, you know, because I ain't used to this te technology. I've been locked up, yes I have, yes I have been locked up and I've been locked up, amen, for doing illegal things, amen. It wasn't the man that was after me, it was the law, amen, and it because I was wrong, but thanks be to God that I had loving parents to stand with me in my wrongness, amen, as Jesus Christ does. And I thank them for praying for me and staying with me and reminding me of whose I was, amen. Because y'all don't realize once you get in the system, amen, they'll tell you you're something else. Amen. And you don't realize how important or how powerful words are until you get in that situation. And, but I just say thanks be unto God, amen. As I look on my parents and say, you stuck by me as Jesus Christ did, and I appreciate it. Amen. So I won't stay before you long, and I apologize because I do have this crud. So if I sneeze or I cough, I apologize. Amen. I need to blow my nose, but I'm not. Amen. <laughs> but there is a word from the Lord. Amen. There is a word from the Lord. Um, and I'm going to use a very familiar story, uh, uh, the book of the Bible, when I um, titled this, Making Room for God, Making Room for God. And I just want us to reflect on the series, amen, that our pastors have <coughs> so adequately shared with us as we speak on room, amen, room. And we were discussing room, and the first thing that Matt says is we need to make room for rest, amen. I didn't appreciate that because I don't have time for rest. <laughs> but he reminded me that I had to, to do room for rest, and then we, we begin to examine our rooms and the clutter in our rooms and the things we carry around in our rooms. So it made me express or, 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 or research what a room actually is. And I like this definition. It says a room is a space that can be occupied or where something can be done. So I would like to take for a minute that you get that definition in your hand so we kind of get this point that we make in making room for God. It's a space that, that can be occupied where something can be done. Well, when you talk about making room for God, how can you make room for God when God is everywhere? God is everywhere, amen? He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He's everywhere. So how can you not take him or, or, or not take him anywhere, amen? But God is, 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 is everywhere. He's like air. I call it like air. You don't necessarily say, oh, I come into in the room and I invite air to come in. I hope not. <laughs> if, if not, talk to me after service. But you do say things like, I invite the presence of the Lord in. Why? Because God is a gentleman. Amen. He is everywhere like air. But he wants you to invite him in. 
The word says that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But it's not time for that yet. Amen. The beauty of it is, is that he does not, he has not manifested, materialized himself, and yet we still praise him. Amen. So as we study this word and making room for God, number one, God is everywhere. And what he's asking you to do is make space and time so that he can occupy that room of yours and then do something in your life. That's, what kind, that's when we talk about making room for God. He wants you to invite you. He wants you to invite him into your space so that he then can do something in your life. Amen. I'm going to use a very familiar scripture to make this point. John, the ninth chapter, starting with the 24th verse. 24th verse. Amen. And I'm going to read <coughs> the NIV version. Amen. I do have my, my Bible up here. And before Kevin talks about me an angel, yes, I am old school. I have very few electronics up here. Amen. And I do have an actual Bible. But I will not preach from it, amen. I will read from this NIV version. If you would, follow me in the 24th verse. It says, NIV version, it says, A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth. They said, we know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I do know. I was blind, but now I see. Very familiar scripture in, this, in, in the book of, of John. I mean, I started to have y'all read all 38 verses. But then I thought, no, nah, y'all not going to like that. But I, mean, I wanted to focus on that part, though, because God often wants to do something in our lives. But we have not made room for him. I'm going to show you what I mean because when I read this very, very familiar story, I was kind of like, ah, that was me. As we read, it starts in the first chapter. It says, God, uh, excuse me, as he, was long as, he made, as he went along his way, that God heard of a man that was blind from birth. Right? And the people of God, their first response was, <clears throat> since the man was blind from birth, he said, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? that he was born blind. First point I want to make, when you prepare, after you have invited God into your situation, into your space, as you prepare for God to do something in your life, number one, you got to prepare for change. Amen. Expect change. We hear all the time and read scriptures that <coughs> to be in crisis, to be a new creature, old things are passed away, and behold, all things are new. So I ask myself sometimes, why do I hold on to old things so tightly? Why? Because I'm going to admit before the people of God very quickly that, beloved, I don't like change. I'm going to admit it. I don't like change. Why? Because I like the familiar. I like going into my space and room and seeing things that are familiar to me. Amen. What's, what's familiar to me in my room? Amen. Peace. I need peace in my room. Amen. I need silence sometimes in my room. I don't need confusion. And most of the time, I don't need any of y'all in my room. Amen. You know what I mean? 
but that's not God's way. Amen. And he did this, first of all, by changing not the blind man, but the people of God. God's response to the people of God, it was, he says, neither this man nor his parents sinned. Jesus said, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Now think about things. All your life you grew up a good Jew. And the people, the Sadducees and Pharisees, the people of God taught you that if a man or woman's child was afflicted, that that affliction originated in some sin that the parents have done. You've been taught that all your life. Now, that's the Jews because I know we don't teach that up in the church. Amen. I can say that we don't teach that up in one church, but maybe you are a part of a body of Christ that reminded you that you are what you are because either you sinned or your mama sinned or it was your grandmama sinned that you have that affliction. But I come to remind you, beloved, tonight that that is not the way of, the God, of God. Amen. He tore down that false teaching to teach you this point that neither he sinned or his parents sinned. But that this affliction was put on this man so that the glory of God could be displayed. Anybody have any afflictions in the room this morning? Isn't it good to know this morning that your afflictions <laughs> have been bestowed on you so that the glory of God can be displayed upon man? Amen. It makes me walk around more proudly when I'm afflicted. Amen. I don't have to hide or be silenced on my afflictions. I can share them openly. Now, you don't embarrass me. So when the devil says, shut up, I just continue. Well, no, 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 it's really my time to share that I was locked up. Because somebody who's locked up may think that there is their finish. Amen? But that's only a pit in the stop of life. Amen? That you got so much more to accomplish if you believe that God and you have invited him in your space. Amen. But the world will remind you that, huh? No, no, you're not. You're a sinner. But that's the first thing that God came to do. He came to change. He didn't come to just change or give sight to the blind, to the one that was blind, but give sight to the blind of those who thought they knew him. Anybody ever been there? You, you, you thought you knew him. I mean, you really thought, why? Because God said, thou shall not kill. Amen. And God said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. So I go boldly taking two or three scriptures in my hand. And God says, uh-uh, let go of that because I'm more than just three scriptures, right? That above all that, I taught you that I'm love. That above all that, that I come, that that darkness may receive light. But the change in you may be that I don't think these people deserve light. Right? I don't think these people should receive the same grace and mercy that I receive. Or the change in you may be your theology. That God cannot use a certain group of people because of the afflictions that they have. 
Why? Because my pastor taught me that. As I was going up, he said that they were abomination. Spell abomination and then come talk. <laughs> the point being is we all have this propensity to sin. And the beautiful thing about God is God just looks at it all as sin. That's it. It's just sin like any doctors or medical people in the, in the house, you know, an infection is, is it's an infection. It's, it's just an infection. There are some infections worse than us, but they all belong in the category of infection, right? So I'm not going to treat you because you got C. diff and you don't have C. diff, amen? I'm not going to say, well, I only deal with C. diff, amen? But that's the kind of silliness we do in the church, amen, when we don't adhere to change. We say that God can only change liars. Why? Because we all lie. Oh, come on, some real people in here. Anybody ever fill out an IRS tax exemption? <laughs> oh, I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> but when it comes to talking about forgiving, a child molester. He's like, oh, no. God does not deliver child molesters. And if you do, not, not near my child. No, sir. No, 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 no. Not, not, not near my people. A God does not deliver a drug addict. No, they don't. They always have a problem. Don't give them a Tylenol. They're always a drug addict. That's the change that God is trying to instill in you. The change in me, can I share you with one church? Amen. Change in me. Just being transparent. Y'all going to talk to me tonight. Amen. This morning. The change that God first received in me, and, 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 and I love this, this part that we, I'm labeling change because it, it comes off as repentance to me, you know, because you repent when you realize you were wrong. You know, I thought in order to be in church, the church had to be a certain way. So I didn't mind us getting together as black and white, but church had to be a certain way. Church ain't been that way for me yet. <laughs> but I've had church. And I've received something from God that I had not received from him before in one church. Why? Because I made room for him. I made room for him to not change one church, but to change me. Because God's calling is higher than what I want. Imagine that. It's bigger than what makes me comfortable or my familiarities or my traditions. Amen? Let's go on. What I love about God is he didn't stop there. He said, number one, if you invite me in, number one, be prepared for change. Number two, the biggest part, be prepared for reconciliation. This is the biggest part for me is reconciliation. Amen. And the definition of reconciliation, and I like this one, it says the act of causing two people or groups to become friendly again after they have argued seriously or fought even and have been kept apart from each other. Reconciliation. God came to reconcile all of us. My beloved, the first person I want you to reconcile, number one, is yourself. And I know by definition, you just said, brother, you said two people, two groups. I'm not a Gemini. 
I, there's one of me. My, my beloved, there are two parts of you. There is a spiritual man and there is a flesh man. And the first thing to reconcile, reconcile is you need to reconcile those two people. They are not separate. All right? When you became in Christ and you accepted him in your life, you had to reconcile those two people. Amen. This, everybody calls the flesh part of evil side. But no, no, it's just the flesh side and the godly side. Why? Because they're at war with each other. Huh? They're at war. Anybody can testify to that? No, listen, let's break it down to food. All right? Because we can all share food. I ain't going to get in your, your house too, too much today. All right? I love chitlins. <laughs> now, some of y'all may not know what chitlins are. <laughs> it's okay. I'm going to teach you just real quick. And don't be grossed out because if you had a hot dog, you had a chitlin. <laughs> chitlins are the part of the pig that we label the large intestines. You know what flows through the large intestines. Don't stop there. So what we do to eat the chitlins is we clean them out, clean them off, and we boil them down, get a flavor, and we eat them. Hot sauce. That's what we. But the deal is, <clears throat> it's a taste acquired, right? You may not like or can even stand the smell, but I, I like them. But how, uh, what I'm trying to get to the point is, is that <clears throat> I can't eat chitlins all the time. Right, no matter if I like them, because if so, I'd end up having an MI and dying. They're so high in blood pressure and salt. When you reconcile yourself, you realize the things of you that you desire, right, that are not of God. It's not that they're wrong, right, because some of us get angry quicker than others. That's, that doesn't mean that you're wrong. Some of us <coughs> love a little harder than others. That doesn't mean that you're wrong. Some of us... <coughs> Some of us <clears throat> are more uh, gullible than others, but that doesn't make you wrong. Just realize that you have a propensity for that, but reconcile it, okay? Because God comes not only to change your flesh side, but also to change your spiritual side. show you what I mean by in the scripture, amen. See, this is why I don't like technology. It just all dropped on me, <laughs> all right? It goes to uh, Romans, the ninth chapter, starts with the 37th verse. It says, amen what I like about this Bible. Amen. It says, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. Because see what happened. Give you a little background to this story. <clears throat> when the blind man was questioned by the Pharisees and the Sadducees, who healed you? They knew it was Jesus. But they had said <clears throat> that Jesus was a sinner. Why? Because he wasn't following the laws of the Jews, healing people on the Sabbath, not growing up in the regular Sadducees' teachings and going against things, doing stuff themselves instead of going through a priest. It, this messed with their pockets. So they labeled him a sinner. So they went up to the blind man and, and told him, who healed you? And he, that's what led us to verse 24 and 25. And he says, I don't care if you call him a sinner. All I know is I was blind, but now I see. But before we get to that beautiful part, I'd like you to realize that the man, the blind man, by saying this, was just not compelled by the love of Christ to say it. He was risking his life. 
Because he realized by, by saying so that not only were they trying to kill Jesus, but they were trying to kill his followers. So by saying that, number one, he received not only the healing from them, but that it was Jesus, that he was risking his life. It was so much so that his mom and daddy said, uh-uh, I'm not going to say that it was Jesus. Ask him. He's old enough. I might die. I've got, you know, uh, don't you love that? But what kind of parents are Jewish parents? <laughs> Just thought about that. You know, we Americans risk our lives all the time for our children. This Jewish parent said, mm, not me. And you talk to him. But the point is, is that from that point on, after he made that decision, he became an outcast. Nobody wanted to be around him. Who wants to be around a potential uh, a hit man, a man out of hit, that uh, got a death out on his life, you know? It, it, the way they're killing people now, you may miss him and shoot me. That's the way they felt, all right? So when God wanted to reconcile not only the church, he wanted to reconcile him first. So when we, set, we find in verse 35, Jesus saying, then he said, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he found him, he said unto him, I like this, for do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked, tell me so that I believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Isn't that beautiful? Because if, 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 if you stood up for me in the midst of your life being threatened, I come to reconcile you. I come to show you, number one, that I love you first. And that's what Jesus did. He brought the two groups together because by his disciples seeing that, he wanted them to realize that, number one, not only did he not sin, but number two, I'm never going to leave him. I come to him personally one-on-one -on -one to reconcile. That's the kind of God we serve. He doesn't leave it up to just happenstance or chance to happen. He purposely seeks the one who is lost and is hurt and says, I come to restore unto you your rightful place with me. Because I realize that you've been cast out by the world. I realize that the world is against you, but I need you to know that despite the world against you, that I love you, and that's enough. That's what God is calling you and me to do, is to go out and seek those who are down, outcast, and have been told by the world, you are a sinner, that you are blind you are afflicted, that you are the sin and only the sin that you have committed. Now, what God needs us to say, say, no, 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 stand up, child. You're more than that. Why? Because that's what God did for us, amen? Did he not? Did anybody have a time at the altar where you realized it was you that crucified him? And that it was your sin, not God. It wasn't him sitting up high and looking down low. It was you that separated yourself from him, that he's always been around. 
But God in his true compassion, didn't he say to you, come unto me, that I have nothing but love for you, David. Nothing but love. That's the kind of God. But, but see, uh, what I'm trying to get you to realize, beloved, we don't just need to read about reconciliation. We need to live reconciliation. Actively. We need to purposely, before we get to 212, seek those who are outcast, who are downtrodden, who feel like they've been left behind, and tell them that God sent me here just for you, for you to realize that you are not just where you are right now, that you are mine, and I am yours, and I have promised you, just like God, never to leave you or forsake you, despite your afflictions, despite your sins. I'm going to tell you, if it wasn't for people like that, or if it wasn't for God, blah, 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 there would be no change. There would be no change. I don't care how much you invite him in. Without reconciliation, we're just a club. A club where we pay our money to feel good, get a little entertainment, sing a little bit, intermingle amongst black and white, go home and say, didn't we have church? But if we don't reconcile, then we have not completed the mission that God has given us. Amen. So if you invite God in your room without reconciliation, you actually have not invited God in your room. You have just said words. Amen. So, but God just didn't stop there. He said, and this is what I love for, you know, the, his reaction is what I love. Because this was what happened. When you change, you repent. And when you reconcile, <coughs> you restore yourself. Because after reconciliation, you get restored. Then you have no other choice but to do it in 38, he says. He said, let's read y'all's version, 38. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. When God changes you and you are truly reconciled, you rejoice in him. And, and what I love about this process, it just doesn't happen one time, Janelle. It happens over and over for me anyway. Because I'm not like you. I, I make mistakes. I fall. I, I think I know God, and I think I know what love is. And I, I, I read, and, and, and like Matt says, he says, thy kingdom come, uh, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I would read that over and over again, but it, did, it meant something else this point in my life. Amen. Anybody stay with God long enough to realize that you can repeat things over and over again, and you don't get it? until you get in the space that God can actually teach it to you? Amen. Have you ever been there? Amen. It's just like when you send a 16-year-old to drive a car. Amen. You realize that that's coupled with a lot of prayer and grace and mercy because they don't know all what's going on. Amen. Amen. How many times have you released them out into the world and you realize, oh, my God, they're not going to stop at that stop sign. Oh, my God, they're not going to not text. Oh, my God, they're going to get excited and start laughing and they're going to forget about what's on the road. But you say, mm -mm. I know that God's going to take care of that. Same thing here. After you've been reconciled and changed, you rejoice in him. And not to rejoice in him is to play him off. It's to play him off. I challenge you all to rejoice in him. Because if you know, you take credit for things that God did that you didn't do. 
Amen. Let's be honest. Amen. Let's be honest. We are always taking credit for what God does. Act like we really had something to do with this. Amen. God saved me. Right. Not because I had the intellect or the wherewithal to realize what I was doing actually at that time. But because I met him at a sign point in time. And he saved me. 20 years later, after I was in jail, I realized, why am I here? This is not what he has for me. I've been walking in my own all this time, doing what I want to do. And yes, I had a mama who prayed for me. And yes, I had a daddy who showed me a different way. But I had to realize it for myself. But it started 20 years before when I accepted him as my Lord and Savior. But see, I didn't celebrate like I needed to celebrate because I didn't know him like I know him. Anybody know the things of God more than they did 20 years ago? Then your celebration should be different. Your celebration should be different. Why? Because your kids need to know. Just like Matt said, the altar that you built and you laid down your afflictions on there, they need to realize that after you laid it there, you celebrated. Why? Because you knew what God was going to do. You didn't have to wait on the miracle of God. You knew what I'm tired of y'all. God is saying to some of y'all, I'm tired of y'all playing me off. Mm -hmm. A text ain't enough to say, oh, God delivered me. Uh, I need you to say to somebody, it was God. Huh? It was God. It, it wasn't my determination. It wasn't my intellect. Uh, it wasn't because I sung so well. It wasn't because I dressed up and I matched my tie with my pants. Now, it was because a God had the patience and the love to stick with somebody jacked up as me. Oh, yeah, I, I told you, I ain't even going to tell you the half of what I am. I'm just going to let you realize that anything that you see that is together or matching today is because of God. Right? Right? But, but as I rejoice, because you know, as you ain't realized it by now. You ain't realized it by now. I love to rejoice. I love to rejoice in God. I, I, I love to see what God is doing in other people's lives. It just reaffirms what God, what I read in the scriptures. And for me, it reaffirms my prayers. It reaffirms me and my position in God. And it, and it causes me not to run away when I want to flee from, from, from situations I thought were going to turn out to be another another way. You know what I'm saying? It, it just, it, it just so many things when I rejoice in God. It, it solidifies my position in him. It does so many. It takes away uh, uh, the, the gray skies and it, it takes away the devil's lies that he whispers in my ear and says that you're not going to be this or you can't do this or you don't have enough money to do this. Now, I know y'all don't go through this, but just stay with me one time. That's why I rejoice in him because I need to silence some things and turn up the volume on others. But brothers and sisters, it's that time in between reconciliation and rejoicing that I want to point out just real quickly before we leave. And that's the scripture that we read. Remember we read in 24. I'm sorry, my phone went out. I'm sorry, yeah. 24, put a, a 20, oh yeah. It says, I need you to get excited. This is, the, this is the point I want you to realize if you don't take anything up. I need you to get excited about the unknown. Because when you don't know what God, what, what God is doing, God is up to something. And it's for your good. It doesn't feel like it. It doesn't taste like it. And it doesn't always come immediately, all right? 
but God is doing it for your good. I need you to say that I am pregnant with possibilities. Say it again. I am pregnant with possibilities. Say it again. I am pregnant with possibilities. Now say it for your children. Say that I am pregnant with possibilities. Say it for your neighbors. Say I am pregnant with possibilities. Whenever you see somebody struggling in Christ, all right, I need you to say that that's another possibility. That's another opportunity for God to move. Because the miracle came, y'all, not just when he opened up his eyes when he received sight. Uh, so much happened before then because let me, let me tell you how it happened during the unknown that this young man did. God told him to go to the pool of Shalom and, and take some spit and some sin and rub it in your eyes. It's made of mud. I love y'all people of God. If God tells me to spit and put mud in my eyes, I'm going to keep it real. What are you talking about, Jesus? <laughs> I am not putting mud in my eyes. Be quiet because I've studied nowhere in my 12 years of education, six years of college, two extra because I was partying, <laughs> that mud can restore the retina in the eye <laughs> for you to receive vision. Amen? But what I want you to realize is that this man didn't even care. He just went. He thought that there's this possibility that the man that I've heard of can heal me. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to forget about all this doubt, all this insecurity that I got going on. And so what I'm going to do, I'm just going to do what he says. I'm going to take his spit, rub it against my eyes, and do it like that, and, and I'm going to receive healing. That was the miracle of God. Have you ever been in that space of God, and God asks you to do something, and you're like, this makes no sense. Zero sense. It, it, I don't care what you say, God. And, and God kept saying, no, you better do that. You better do that. You better do that. You better do that. Let, let me tell you, number one, if you have not heard that voice, he's trying or he's asking you to make space so he can talk to you that way. Okay? He doesn't just talk that way to Jamel and other preachers. He talks that way to everybody. Right, but it, when you get that, when you hear that voice and you say, oh, uh, God's asking me to do this and this is weird. Or I'm going to be embarrassed. Go ahead and do it. I tell you, you need to go ahead and press your way through and do it. Why? Because the miracle is not just for you. The miracle is for the one that he's telling you to do it with. And you don't know where that person is. It could be just that you need to go up to that person and tell them that I love you. I don't know what's going on, but I love you. And I know for guys, I know that's kind of weird because you say, well, I don't want them to think I'm gay. <laughs> oh, come on, y'all. I wish y'all would keep it real up in here. I mean, it, those are things that keep you from saying that, right? <laughs> come on, men. Hello? <laughs> or some women would say, oh, I would go up to her, but I, she's going to look at me all weird. Oh. Or, she go, or some of us, it, it may be a race thing. I mean, uh, you know, I'm not going to go up to him. He looks inner city. You know, I'm a... I'm a <laughs> Okay, come on, children of God. Well, this is one church. He looks inner city. I'm a white woman. He's not going to receive what I have to say. But do you realize that God is above those things? I'm going to tell you this. I know maybe, maybe you've not been on that side. Let's go to the other side. Has somebody ever come up to you in your lowest point? Nobody that you ever knew. Could have been even a child. And they said, I love you. Or they just hug you. I've had many of the children do that. And I was like, mm, 
I had a child say this to one of my friends yesterday who lost their loved one. A child said, we going to be all right. Where did that come from, if not from a God? You, beloved, you need to make sure that above all, that you realize that in the unknown, God is working. God is moving. And your testimony should be one church. You need to look back and realize that we were at that point a year ago. The unknown. I don't know how this is working, right? I don't know why this is working. And I know y'all wasn't like me. Y'all was coming to church and this don't feel like church. I don't like it. They not singing the kind of music I got going on. I don't know these people. I love these people. But uh, I know y'all wasn't thinking like me, but I'm glad I'm getting it out. Because y'all going to talk back to me. Y'all going to talk back to me. Amen. This don't feel right. Or this ain't the music I have. But you know what? I'm going to stay around because I feel like God has something more for me than just music. Amen. God has something more for me than just a shout. Amen. That God has something for me. But I got to be open to the unknown. To the unknown. The unknown may be for you is that you received a report from the doctor. And it was terminal. And they gave you a report, and you was like, mm, I've got a year. And God said, uh, and, and, and <laughs> I'm going to keep it on, so I'm going to go. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go. I got five more minutes. Have you ever had one of those Adam and Eve situations? I'm going to tell you what it is, and this is what I love and get to is that when you receive bad reports from the doctor or, uh, or you apply for a bank loan and they don't give it to you, you're like, my future is a good, you have a sick child, and they gave you a report, and you're like, well, what do I do now? They've given up on my child. <coughs> I dare you to have one of those Adam and Eve moments. You know when they were in the garden, and they met God, they had ate that apple? And Eve says to God, God asks, he says, well, how can we? We're naked. Now, just think about that thing. Before they ate the apple, about five minutes before, nobody knew that they were naked. Right? You got to be careful to place yourself in the scriptures at that time to re really receive what's going on. Ten minutes later, before they did, naked with nakedness, that wasn't even in their vocabulary. Shamefulness. They didn't even know. <laughs> they, went, they were with God. They were. Anyway, anyway. And that's the way, and God's response to them was, who told you you were naked? That's the way I need you to feel in this unknown period. When you receive a bad report from the doctor or you get a bad report that your child isn't going to make it and, 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 and you said terminal and God has said, who told you you were terminal? Did, did I tell you it was time to come up out here? Did I tell you it was time to give up on this child? Did I tell you it was time to exit left? Some of us do that in relationships. Uh, because you said, well, God said, shake the dust off my feet and, and walk on. Uh -uh. God said to stay. Why? Because I need for you to change so that I can reconcile you so then you can rejoice. All you're doing is shouting around, running around the pews. That ain't rejoicing. Uh -uh. You ain't changed. You ain't invited them in. No repentance. Ain't nothing happened. You're just going to, you, you didn't fool yourself. For 30 minutes, you didn't sweat it up in him, talked in a tongue, felt a little good about yourself in him, but ain't nothing happened.
Ain't nothing happening. You need to rejoice in the unknown. And I'm going to tell you, we need to encourage each other in the unknown. Because I don't know what's going to happen over in 1212. But I know it's going to be bigger than anything that I could ever ask or think. That's what I know it's going to be. I know it's going to blow up. Why? Because the intent is there. It's already been ordained by God. What I'm doing right now is rejoicing. I'm not waiting until I see it because that ain't faith. That ain't even faith. That ain't even faith. Yeah, I'm wrapping it up. So what I want you to do is quit putting gods in these temporary tents and rooms that you do. You know, you expect God to be your mood stabilizer. You know, every time I'm in a bad mood, I need you, God, to cheer me up. That's the room I put you in. Uh, God, I need you to be my sanctified Santa Claus. Yeah, because I've lived and I've been good and nice. And because I've been good and nice, you deserve to give me. I deserve these gifts and these awards. I deserve to live. Because I need you to be more than just, uh, just, uh, just, just, just one thing. God wants to be all things in you. Because sometimes it's just not about you. We need to suffer sometimes. Why? So we can grow in him. So I challenge you today to embrace the unknown, to realize that you are pregnant with possibilities. That, and not only you, but your neighbor, your children, your children's children, your enemies, your staff, your co-workers, even the one that gets on your nerves, she still has time to get in the kingdom. Those children that are in a space that you realize, well, what's going on, God? Well, uh-uh. There's still a possibility. There's still life there. Because while we have breath, <laughs> while yet we have breath, he don't keep us around just, just, just. He has purpose. If you're breathing, you got purpose in you. If you're breathing, you got purpose in I need you to be reminded of that because if it was not so, some of your posts on Facebook wouldn't be like that. Some of your attitudes would change. Your countenance would change. I know it's in you. I need you to speak against it with your voice. Say that I am more in Christ. And what I love about it is that when Christ, when Christ told him, I'm going to really end on this, Jamil. I know I'm, I've, I've been long. But when Christ introduced himself or God introduced himself to the people through Moses, you know what he told him? He said, tell him I am that I am. And the reason why he told him, just, just going to imagine, he says that I am as wide as or I am as, as big as or my love does as, uh-uh. To do that will put a limit on him. Uh-huh. But he needs you to know mm -mm, in your darkness, in your unknown, that I am, that I am. You ain't got a good report, but I am that I am. It don't feel right, but I am that I am. It has not changed, but I am that I am. Make room for God, and I swear he'll make room for you. Let me 